QOEs. Hello and welcome to week two of French Football Weekly in this new season. I don't know how long you can call it new until that word is no longer acceptable, but I think week two is fair enough. So welcome back to our loyal listeners. My name is Chris, of course, I'm your host and I'm joined by Jazz and Phil once again. Afternoon to you both. How are you doing? afternoon probably probably should say evening now really shouldn't i but you know it's all the same anyway good to have you both on we've got uh plenty to get our teeth stuck into this week haven't we uh lots of stories going around um i think just in, although i'm desperate to tear into leon <laughs> which we'll come on to sorry leon fans i feel like we should um probably tear into marseille a little bit first of all because they kind of had a midweek game, um, and then of course we'll lead on to what happened at the weekend. But Phil, you were able to watch the game in midweek. I also watched the extra time and uh, penalties. Um, be fair to say that it wasn't a great week for Matteo Guendouzi, was it for Marseille? Oh, it, the ironic thing is because we're talking about uh, the second leg of the third qualifying round for the Champions League. Catch up, everybody. Um, and this was at home against Panathinaikos, who won the first leg 1 0. And we were all thinking, well, Marseille can deal with this. And to be fair, for a large amount of that game, about 90 minutes of it, Marseille were dealing with that game very well. They basically did everything right. And then things went a bit sideways. So you've got Aubameyang uh, getting a brace in the first half, second minute, first minute of injury time. And they looked really kind of in charge. Um, shortly into the second half, there was a goal ruled out for offside for his medicine. basically was stuffed by just being faster than the Panathinaikos defenders. Um, and then about 60 minutes and Dai went down with cramp. I mean, it's been really hot down. Really hot down here. They actually changed a couple of um, the afternoon games to evening games to try to get over it. But it looked like they were starting to struggle. And we got a Hariton, uh, and it was excellent. Song was been excellent. Verity was running everything. Obo was great. And then in the 99th minute, there was a penalty shout. And at first, I didn't really understand what had happened because um, I think Panathinaikos got the corner, it cleared out, and then there was a foul by Panathinaikos on an OM player. And when the ref blew his whistle, I thought it was for that foul. But no, it was for taking it all the way back to the corner. And one of those handball shouts for, from Matteo Granduzzi, which basically is, the man has arms. There's not a lot you can do about it. He was off the ground, so obviously you're trying to balance yourself. And as soon as the ref said, I'm going to look at the, the VAR, 
you knew what was going to happen because letter of the law, that is handball, but the law is an act, basically. And so Panathinaikos got one back, uh, penalty from Yanindis, and that meant it was 2-2 on aggregate, so we get to extra time. Now, we've then got two problems, which is everyone's knackered, but also Gwendozi is running around like a headless chicken trying to make up for his um, mistake, in inverted commas. And then we saw um, 110 minutes Coutinho got the ball in the back of the net, but that was ruled offside, which was ludicrously tough. I mean, Michael Oliver had a lot to do in this game, but it was then just a really, really tense occasion. I mean, from 70 minutes, the Marseille fans had been doing the Poznan and celebrating and just thinking, hang on, lads, be careful here. And ended up going penalties and despite um, Blanco being subbed on for Lopez uh, to take the penalties um, or rather face the penalties it was one of those it's not a lottery but hmm. and then Gwen Doozy was the guy that was the pen in Marseille so obviously he's going to be just in bits at this point, but Panathinaikos won on pens. And one thing that was kind of interesting about this was with the new rules about you know, taking all necessary time and everything, the game kicked off at nine and finished at midnight. They were out there for three hours. They were Everybody was knackered by the end. And it then having to play on Friday night, which we'll come on to, I think you really saw um, kind of a degree of, of the impact of that. But it sounds weird to say, given that they've been knocked out, although we'll get Europa or Conference League, depending on, some rules I don't fully understand, but there was some really good stuff to see, like I say, Harrit, Saar, Veritu, Klaus, and you saw also from Uber, as well as the two goals, some really positive stuff that what he can bring as well when he's committed, that half-time, extra time, he was on the pitch, he was checking on everyone, he Jenning everyone up, he was, you know, looking after business. So this was, I think, a really gutting loss for OM that had some big uh, impact going on. So what competition they'll be playing on is yet is yet to be uh, confirmed. But they are not in the Champions League, and Panathin like us will be playing Braga in. Playoff, I think, but yeah, it was it was a game they looked to have completely tied up, and then just was taken away, really. 
I think it was one of those where you go, I know what the rules are, but fucking hell. That was ridiculous. I think it's, uh, yeah, and, and like you said, I think with the penalties, I mean, obviously one missed out of the 10, I think, that was taken, oh. or the nine that was taken. Um, Panathinaikos took some really good penalties, has yeah. to be said. And, uh, Blanco got close to a couple. Especially um, the fourth. Went, went the right up. way, uh, I think, almost every time, and mm. got hands to one of them. But, yeah, after yeah. Guendouzi had missed his one, it was like, well, it kind yeah. of screwed now, and he he's already on the transfer list, and I think his departure is probably being hastened uh, off the back of that particular game. It's one of those anything that could go wrong did go wrong moments. I, um, I genuinely don't think he did anything wrong. No, it wasn't a bad really? pen. I think the handball is is clumsy. We've seen a few. We'll we'll come on to couple of the weekends maybe that... when he he was jumping up you have to have your arms out to balance you i mean and he was jumping up against one of the larger players panath and i got have got a couple of small guys should we say bernard and palacios so that made chancellor and members kind of protests to the ref when he uh, fouled people even less convincing given that he's just bombed somebody a foot short of them onto the floor. Um, but yeah, it was, they basically did everything right. They just didn't win. Yeah, I, I just, I, 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 it's one of those, it's one of those, I, it was, to be given so late was probably the, the big issue with it. I think it's yeah. such a defining moment. Um, but with Marseille, um, bringing it back to, to the weekend and, and Liga, let, let's bring Jez in on this one because Jez, I know I know you'll be gutted because Mets with, with 10 men might have came from behind to, to lead the game 2-1 and it looked for all the world like you were going to take advantage of a, a seemingly tired and uh, well, tired mentally and physically Marseille side it would be fair to say but, but I thought Mets battled really well um, and I enjoyed your Tweet of uh, about regarding Paul Lopez, who dropped an absolute clanger for the the second goal from Mikkelsidze. But um, where where do you sit? And feel free. Obviously, we have to give you some some time to to give some praise to Mets performances as well. But it it's a it's a real blow, isn't it, to Marseille? I think Mohamed Ali was tweeting the other night, and he was sort of saying, you know, that um, the manager should walk this early because it, you know it's absolutely disgraceful, and that Marseille should be this, yeah. that, and the other. Whilst I think that's a little over the top, um, this was the manager that, that the president wanted. This was the rebuild. They've made signings. To to basically do a Monaco is is pretty horrendous to start their season, isn't it, going out this early? It's not just Monaco. No, true. It's not. You're right. Yeah. I mean, first of all, just quickly on penalties. Uh, hmm. I don't remember the last time a French team or club won a penalty shootout against a non-French team or club. We obviously had the men in the Euros in the World Cup final. We had the women in the World Cup final just now. We uh, World Cup, rather. We had Rennes in Europe this year. Um, Monaco, did that go to penalties last year? Or was it a late, a late defeat? I can't remember. It's just ridiculous. Defeat. And I think it is... Uh, I mean, I think it's a French sports psychology problem. 
um, which goes through lots of sports, but football in particular is just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I never liked the penalties as a lottery thing, but at the same time, I think the standard of penalty taking in the last couple of years sort of globally has improved so much that I think less so than any time before, um, or more so than any, t- less so than any time before, is it a lottery? More so than any time before, is it something that that clubs, um, countries, whatever, should work on? Um, and talking of working on things, bringing on Blanco, it turned out after the match, he's faced 30 penalties in his career. He saved one. So I don't entirely understand the thinking in bringing him on last second. Um, oh, and just having back to the World Cup, it didn't escape me that Ariola saved yet another penalty yesterday and I don't understand still why he wasn't brought on in the World Cup final but anyway um on Marseille I I feel if I was a Marseille fan I would really feel sick because I think both matches I will give mess credit we'll go on to that but Marseille did not have the not they didn't have the rub of the green but against Mess, you know, hit the woodwork three times. Mess's first goal was a massive deflection. Um, Things could have gone very easily, very differently for them in that match. And as Phil said, they they did outplay Panathinaikos for most of the match. But as maybe Mo was alluding to, I don't know, it should never be getting into that, you know, with all due respect to teams like Panathinaikos, hashtag teams like Panathinaikos, um, it shouldn't be getting to that stage. And I don't know to what extent you can blame Marcelino. I just think, um, I, you know, I don't know if it's sort of physical preparation and timing and something that just pervades the whole French game. I know, you know, there's a lot of players who when they come to the Premier League do struggle and same when they go to Italy and they say, you know, the level of training and physicality and fitness is so much higher in these other countries. Maybe that's something that French clubs are just behind in. I don't know. I mean, they shouldn't be anymore with all these foreign coaches and their entourages coming in. They should be learning from them. But to me, you know, yeah, it's hot in Greece in the summer. People know that. It's hot in Marseille in the summer. That shouldn't be an excuse for sort of flaking in the last 10, 20 minutes. And um, I, the fact that it just happens consistently year on year on year, you know, suggests it's not really fair on for Marcelino to kind of be the scapegoat for 10 years of general French failure. But Marseille should not have been in the position where they're sort of relying on um, or, you know, vulnerable to a soft penalty being given in the 10th minute or whatever it was of of um, injury time. Over 180 minutes, a team from supposedly one of the top five leagues should have that match done and dusted by then. Mm. I think yeah. Yeah, going back to what Jess said, as well as Ndai going down with cramping, like the hour mark, Lodi basically ended that match on one leg mm. and I think was asking to be taken off, but the last sub or the they can only yeah. do a certain number of um, sub times uh, was being kept for Blanco to be brought on. So Lodi was still there at the end. I mean, it was yeah. 
he looked in serious trouble. So you've got to think about, as you said, you know, this early in the season, yeah. you should not be having these guys going down that early. My my other argument to it as well is, is look at their pre-season. They played four, four games in pre-season. Um, two of those were against local opposition. In fact, three of them, Valvik and, and Oypen are not far away. They're Belgian teams. They played Nîmes uh, at home um, and they played Leverkusen at home. It's not like they've gone, you know, to Japan or America or, do you know what I mean? It, it, I wouldn't say they've had a strenuous pre-season and that, to me, sort of strikes of a team that's not really fully prepared and once again this is also a team that went behind at home to rouse on the opening day you know, they didn't look great in that game either so I think questions probably have to be asked but I, I do agree with you both when we say that it's probably not a Marcelino um, but issue at this stage it's a bit I think um, one thing I'd just like to ask Jess because match were down to 10 men mm. and scored their two goals after going down to 10, it just looked like Marseille just collapsed. I mean, they had, before Lowe was sent off, um, two goals disallowed, and they were already one up. I mean, what do you think of that, Jess? Did it look to you like they collapsed physically or mentally or both? I don't, I don't think it was physical. Um, because you know they got back into it. They were the ones, you know, messed. Obviously, I wouldn't say hanging on at the end, but it once Marseille equalised, it was always going to be them doing most of the attacking from then on. Um, I think they they dominated most of the first half. Well, they certainly dominated until the goal, um, and then they basically just allowed Mess to kind of regain a little bit of confidence and and once the first goal went in i think again i mean I'm not going to put everything down to sort of french psychology but maybe in the context of what had happened to them during the week um it, they just lost their heads for a little bit and um the second one is you know as i said the first mess they okay first of all the 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 yeah, hit the woodwork three times, the disallowed goals, both of them were like slightly unfortunate, you know, inches, one, there was like, someone was offside by inches. The second one, I was surprised wasn't given as a goal. I thought it was a very soft foul, if it was a foul at all by Saar in the build-up to it. Um, then Mess get this hugely deflected goal. And then, as as, as Chris said, awful goalkeeping to, to put Mess 2-1 up. Um, and they could very easily have gone three on up. There was there was a passage of fa- fantastic passage of sort of two minutes of football where, uh, you know, afterwards the the sort of action replays had to, to catch up on loads of things they just hadn't had a chance to show yet because there was something else going on. <laughs> Mess could have gone three one up. Great save, to be fair, by Lopez. Then Akija does a great save at the other end, and then um, and then Marseille get the equaliser. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think if anything, it was psychological. But they did show the the balls to sort of come back. But I don't particularly think there was any physical issue. And frankly, if there was, have a look at the two benches. I'm not going to use. You know, I don't think Marseille have got any right to use that as an excuse. Um, you know, when you look at the the respective strength of the, the kind of players that, that the two clubs can bring on. Um, 
So, yeah, I think, you know, Marseille, on the on the basis of everything that happened during the match, were unlucky not to win. But I think Mess deserved the draw for, for the sort of character that they showed as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And uh, first goal for Young Songlo, who's a didn't realise there's an England youth international in that one, um, in that particular game. But I think it's fair to say he did escape a booking on a vacation. He escaped I? four or five bookings. Yeah, I saw you highlight that as well, Jess. So, um, yeah, good good result. Um, and just very quickly, Mikkel Tadze, is it, I think you said last week, still remain the same thought process that you'll judge when or if he stays or goes before you can really put a decision on how you feel about the season ahead? Yeah, I mean, even with him and Maz's, I mean, Maz's, I think I it was like a surprise him. he even played because everyone thought he'd already signed for Louvain earlier that day. But, mm. um, you know, those are the two. That's another thing, by the way. Mess have got a few big injuries. And when you don't have a deep squad like Marseille's, it affects you more. Yeah. So that's another, you know, they, they show character in that sense as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they do not have a huge amount of attacking talent. A couple of the players they've brought in are real sort of punts. Um, so it's a concern when Mazes and Mkhitaryan leave where the goals are going to come from, definitely. Yeah, I don't want Mazes to leave because he was in my players to watch for the season list and, you know, I don't want to be a fan. Well, maybe he still is, but in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, true. <laughs> Thank you. Bailed me out there. Uh, right, let's move on to uh, to Leon. He's actually then. he's going to the club that um forgotten his name is it Tamari, the guy who scored two for Montpellier. Yes, where he came Uvan from. Yeah. Getting a yeah. lot of love on the prize. Yes, yeah, another another Belgian club with their eyes on the prize. Um, we will come on. I just to... want to say one more thing about Mess, which is yes. that Kija has always been a liability mentally. Um, Two more goals that he should not have let in, isn't no, it? Particularly the first one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. The first one I thought was very, very suspect. Perhaps you could get Hugo Lloris. He's kicking about, not doing much. David De Gea is another one. <laughs> could... We've got a, we got a French mm-hmm. under twenty one international on the bench. I don't know why we don't give him a go. We'll give him a game. Just, just don't sign um, Rio from Lyon because um, he had one oh. on, on Sunday. Uh, we'll come oh, on he me. was fine. Yeah, <laughs> that first goal was was a thing of beauty from all the wrong perspectives. We'll come on, give Montpellier their praise in a second, but I feel we have to start with Leon. And as good as Montpellier were away from home uh, in this particular game, Phil, and, and deserved it. And like we say, the Jordanian uh, getting on the score sheet with two goals, the first one in particular was, was very good. But the story here is Leon, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Laurent Blanc effectively kind of made a come and sack me plea after the game with a very obscure interview. He's done this twice now. Yeah, well, he he sort of joked in pre-season, but this was a very much, you know, literally the question was, what would you do? And he was like, I don't know, change the coach. It's like, what? And then he was asked, I watched this after the game, he was asked, you said they should change the coach and he should kind of shrug. And then he was talking about, um, you know, the players that might come in and talked about Lacazette is now suspended, so he's not available again. And then he made, I think, a very telling slip of the tongue when he was talking about the players in my team. And he was clearly going to say, Monique, 
and then he changed it to being olympically and I just think that I think he's pissed off on a personal level that he's not being given the props he should be whereas if you actually watch that match and specifically defending in that match you'd be thinking you can't be saying stuff like that mate because they were bad and we talked about so Montpellier won 4-1 which Montpellier have been head 4-1 against uh, Leon before and still managed to lose but I thought something was very um, important was maybe when Lacazette got the goal to make it at that point 3-1 he didn't run into the net and pick the ball up and run back to the halfway line. He was just like, you know, fuck it, whatever. And then shortly thereafter got sent off. And when your centre forward gets sent off, it's usually because it's, you know, a frustration. And you could definitely see that. It's not like, you know, defenders get sent off because they might time tackle badly. There was no need for Lafayette to do what he did at I all. It, I thought it was frustration, I've got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the elbow. It, yeah. It, was, it was frustration rather than a mistimed tackle or going yeah. in a bit hard. Yeah. It was just utterly unnecessary. Yeah. I think um, we do have to be a little bit here. We've mentioned Altamar. Um, I thought what was really great is that in the first game, despite being a draw against Love, um, a Adams got a brace. This game, Tamara gets a brace. You know, the the guys they brought in are showing they are hitting the ground running, and very much so, quite literally, in the case of Altamari, I mean, his first goal, he picked the ball up inside his own half, around 60 metres, and then not made somebody on the way, and then put it under the goalkeeper. He very nearly did the same thing again, only um, you did actually manage to save that. And then his second goal was um, uh, the Montpellier goalkeeper, Benji Leconte, basically kicked it sideways up the sideline because he could see where he was and what he was going to do. And he ran again. All of his two goals and his near miss were both running a long way with the ball at his feet. Now, that looks great, but I'm not sure defenders are supposed to be allowing you to do that. And I think that was really Leon were down defensively. Yeah, I just I, I I sort of agree with you in terms of the um you know the, the sending off was it was almost like it was irrelevant at that point of the game. It was sort of a Leon got back in at three one, but they were outplayed completely. What where do you sit on this, Chairs? I mean, I, again at the risk of doing what we did last year with PSG where we sort of kept coming back to the same question and Marseille we're sort of back here with Leon again you feel the same way as I do in that don't trust John Texter as far as I could throw him 
is this a bit chickens coming home to roost situation? And once again, as we record this podcast, Rayan Shirky is trending. Um, Barcola is, is still being linked with a move away to, to PSG. The latest one is a swap deal with, with Ekatike plus cash, which is bizarre. Um, it's just a bit of a mess, isn't it? This whole setup with, with Leon. And, and if, if Laurent Blanc does go, Walks gets pushed. I mean, who on earth wants to manage that club at the moment? I think um, Vincent Duluc, who's the, the main um, correspondent for L'Equipe, and I always got the feeling maybe supported Lyon. I'm not sure if that's sort of official or not. And seems, I'm not going to say he's matey with Blanc, but he his articles are generally relatively sort of put, uh, positive towards Blanc, has written about this quite a lot. And, and uh, his latest thing in which he's reporting that Blanc and Von Texter are due to, to meet up this week. I think he even slipped in a couple of little sulky comments about the fact that clearly um, John Texter is very much a part-time boss of Lyon, whether it's because he doesn't care about Lyon or because he's not able to be full-time anywhere because he owns three or four different clubs. Um, the chief exec that he brought in doesn't actually know anything about football, um, I think Blanc, oh, by the way, just to also add, Olas sent a tweet or a tweet was sent from Olas's account. In oh, response, I think it was him. Yeah, in response to Laurent Blanc saying something about, you know, maybe there needs to be a change of coach or whatever. He said, why don't you bring in the guy from Botafogo? And then he denied, he said that his, his uh, account had been hacked. But I think everyone accepts or believes that it was directly from him. I think that's one of the issues Blanc's got. I think Texter has sort of implied that that is who he wants to bring in as his own coach. Um, On top of that, I think Blanc's been sold a complete dud because I think assurances were made and depending on whose side you're on, you can sort of, you can debate whether those assurances are realistic or not, but his, the assurances given to him and in terms of sort of financial projects and which players would go and which players type of players could be signed was all based on, Olas and Co's um, mm. uh, sort of project that was to be presented to the DNCG and Texter yeah. and his people ditched that. And as we spoke about, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, they'll say, well, it's because Olas is one with completely unrealistic or whatever. Um, either way, this isn't what Blanc kind of signed up for. Mm. The, co- the owner is kind of impliedly saying, yeah, I'm not particularly keen. I'd rather have my own man, but at the same time also suggesting he's, or by acting or by omission, seemingly not really interested in the club at all. You can understand why Blanc is not happy and, and being sold a dud, feels like he's been sold a dud. But at the same time, you know, the the 11 or the squad or whatever that, that were put out there are still not a bad team on paper. You can, you know, there's issues with confidence. There might be issues with fitness. There's issues with Barclo and whether he's, well, both of them, really, well, I think he's probably a little bit knackered after the the sort of eight months he's had, including um, Euro under 21 euros, I think it was. So, um, and then the distraction of, of all this PSG talk, you can understand maybe why he's not on top form, but there was enough quality there that they should not be going down four one like that. And as Blanc said, you know, it, when when the fact that we 
have won a corner it makes us extremely vulnerable to conceding that's that's a big issue i mean yeah. i think three or three or maybe all four i think three of no obviously not the first three of montpellier's goals came from breaks um mm. and the first one obviously from an absolutely horrific mistake and again there is there too okay no one's pretending that ryu is lopez and lopez of course he's missed in terms of his quality and his experience but it's not like ryu doesn't have experience and should not be making mistakes like that um yeah. as phil said as good as as good as the forward performances from montpellier were defenders didn't look like they were particularly sort of breaking you know breaking their necks to get back or anything like that so everything just looks negative around the club and I don't it's not like you know this is the sort of end of a long managerial tenure and, and you can trust the people behind the scenes to to bring in someone sensible to to sort things out and any if anything it's the opposite you can all you know again there's all these debates about how much Blanc's previous success is actually down to him or not but at least he is a football man who knows about football and I'm not sure that many people above him do no no I, I think just to sum up from my perspective I feel I feel like with Leon, I think you've got an, a really good point. I think the 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 idea of the job and everything was sold to Laurent Blanc in the previous uh, previous regime, if you will, and it just feels like a club that is is right on the edge. You know, supporters are not happy. The squad feels feels imbalanced. Um, it's the first time they've lost their first home match of the season since 1999 against Montpellier. <laughs> Is it really? Well, there's some symmetry for you. But um, yeah, definitely a club very much uh, on the edge of things at the moment in terms of crisis or non-crisis. But we shall see. And the the only other manager I can think of, I don't know, if you, do you remember Gary O'Neill? No, not Gary O'Neill, Scott Parker. When he was at um, uh, Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago and they lost to Liverpool and he basically came out and almost did the same thing after the game um, at the risk of going full JP here. That was the only reference I could think and where a manager has almost come out and said, sack me. So, um, yeah, or I suppose you could put Conte in that bracket as well, couldn't you? Anyway, moving on, um, let's uh, just give a little bit of airtime to PSG because, um, I mean, Ooh. you, you kind of have to really, don't you? Um, Phil Mbappe's back. He, um, he celebrated his penalty racing to the crowd and screamed, I'm here, I'm staying. Um, and quite a few people picked yeah. up on that and said, yeah, for three months until <laughs> it all goes off again. This, but they, they weren't very good again. Were he, they? Didn't one, one draw. he didn't hmm. start. And so despite uh, the pre-match graphic, I, I saw a tweet from, uh, I think it was Matt Spiro, saying, you know, if you've got this, and he had Mbappe on the left and Debele on the right, that looks scary. Everyone's like, yeah. Yes, it does. That's going to cover a lot of the problems in this new boy midfield and everything. And then they didn't start. And you're thinking, is Lucy Enrique just being stubborn? But that first half at, at Toulouse was as aimless as the game last week. It really was. And then as soon as they're brought on, like, I think it was 51 minutes after, to be fair, after Wong Emery had a goal chalked off on 50 minutes, 
Dembele and Mbappe come on and immediately things change. And it was a very interesting, was this like Luis Enrique, like also showing I've given in. But as you say, yeah, after Mbappe won the penalty and then scored the penalty, immediately hopped over the hoardings and went over to the ground. And I was thinking, is this a good idea? And then realised he was actually going to the PSG fans um, to make a bit of a, a point to them. And then it was uh, much more interesting in the second half in the, that last half an hour. But then you get this situation where Toulouse get a penalty kind of 86 minutes and a lot of the PSG players are, are up in his grill going, wasn't a penalty, it was outside the area and he was actually forced to point at Abu Klal's boot, mm. which was still inside the penalty area, thus showing that he might have fallen over outside the area, but he was hit inside. And Buchal, uh again, won the penalty, scored the penalty to make it 1-1. And that was, um, again, not something that PSG would be particularly happy with. One thing I did find interesting was um, Lou's manager, Carlos Martinez, uh, was interviewed after the game. And so we got a French journalist interviewing a Spanish manager who was speaking English so fast that the guy doing the simultaneous translation was really struggling. But Martinez struck me as being very, very interesting. He was talking about the tactics, the placement, where they were, he looked really geeky in a good way. And I really think that's going to help to lose uh, this season, to have, uh, to have a manager who is clearly like Bielsa levels of engaged, but yeah. with a a much more, shall we say, uh, media-friendly outlook um, that he was talking about being really proud of his players, that he was asked, is a, you know, a draw against PSG as good as a win? And he well, it's a good result. And that was very interesting, I think, that he's going to be one to watch, particularly in the um, uh, in the press conferences, because he was talking a lot of details, which I think is going to be something that will push Tilly's up by talking about that kind of that kind of thing, being a bit more than just hit it long to whoever. Also. Amazing shirts. 
Do you yeah, like shirts, Chris? I know you like shirts. They are they are bangers. Not in my top five this year, I have to be honest. Huh? There's, there's there's at least five better ones, but it is it is a good it's a good colour combine. It's, it's the kind the of colour where you're thinking the fact they've got the, the gap on the back for the number yeah. messes it up. But if you buy the replica shirt, they don't have that. You don't have that. Proper yeah. stripes all the way. And the away shirt is also glorious. Sure. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a European ruling, isn't it? That uh, whole shirt number thing. But um, yeah, it is. It is a. It is a banger. Um, and for the record, again, the penalty for me, although unfortunate, in that Hakimi essentially stands on Abercrombie. There's no reason for him to do that. No, I, I, I actually genuinely don't think it's intentional. I think it's in his stride. But when you put your legs, you know, when you have when to be you able to take careful someone's and go. boots off. Yeah, he's running away from goal. Basically. It is. A, it is a foul. There was no reason for him to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But nevertheless, uh, Killian is back, and uh, Dembele's debut as well. We shall keep a close eye, of course, on PSG coming up. Um, the last game I wanted to touch on um, before we get into or give the other results, and also a little bit of news off the pitch as well. But just last night, I think you joined me in. Uh, watching the final game of the weekend, which was a 1-1 draw between Lens and Rennes. Um, I know this is going to be hard for you, so so strap in. <laughs> but uh, I think it'd be fair to say Rennes got out of jail a little bit in this one. They were much better second half, but how Lens didn't win this game in the first half alone, I mean, they're completely dominant, really good goal from Machado again, who's making a bit of a habit of hitting bangers from the outside of the box. Um, but then it was equalised for the penalty spot. In an, another penalty that was slightly disputed by a few, I didn't think it was a dispute. I thought it was pretty clear cut. Again, a clumsy challenge. I think it's from Kevin Danso, uh, who I'm reliably informed used to play in, in England, Jess. I don't know if you were aware of that. Who'd have thought? Anyway, um, what do you make of these two teams? Because they both have mixed fortunes to the start of the season, but both expected to be up there, do you think, overall, based on this performance? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was worried about how Lance would react to losing a couple of big players. And mm. uh, last week was was bizarre because, I mean, they, they did more than enough to beat Brest and then, um, you know, a couple of stupid penalties there and somehow they lose that match. And actually, Franquez today has sort of complained about his team conceding three penalties in, in the first two matches. Um but the the big off the pitch news is that the loss have signed Eli Wahi, which I think is a fantastic coup. And you know, if he if he settles well and quickly, I think could turn out to be a, a really good signing. And and um, you know, certainly should hopefully kind of help to forget Oponda. And yeah. Andy Diouf, although he was one of those who missed a couple of sitters, um, you know, is doing a, a good job so far replacing Fofana. You sort of instinctively think is is kind of irreplaceable. So I think Lance will be okay, although I'm not sure they'll they'll do as well as last year. I don't know, like, you know, a win last week, which they should have got, would look very different. But now, without a win yet, they've got PSG next week, who obviously also don't have a win. And by the way, if Mess finished the season with three more non-set-piece goals than, than PSG, I'll be quite happy. Uh, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Lance, I'm not sure about. Ren, I mean, I was thinking about it and chatting to, to our mate Adam Virgo the other day. And and with considering 
I really don't think any teams are particularly stand out or even got standout teams or squads this year. I genuinely think Wren should feel like they can have a tilt at the title. Um, they've got probably the deepest squad, the most settled squad, several reliable goal scorers. I, I genuinely could see them being a contender. And as as I tweeted yesterday, if the sign of a good team is getting a result, even when you don't play well, then put all your money on them because they were schmeist last night. I know they had their chances too, but Lance were all over them. And the match should have been over by half time. It should have been more than over by the time Wren got their penalty. And it still should have been over after that before Lance had a couple of late chances. Uh, Wren had a couple of late chances. Mm. So this is a, you know, I don't know about a blow for Lance because it's early in the season. It is against a decent team and, and they did play well. But like I said, one one point when they should easily be sitting on six is is a bit of a blow considering it could easily be one from nine after next week and Wren should be going away from this match saying if we're getting results away you know arguably the hardest stadium to go to in terms of sort of not hostile but you know the support that the home team gets the team that finished second last year played the best football in the league um, still playing great football, and we managed to get away from there with a draw. We're, you know, we really should be able to feel like, you know, even if we play approaching our best, we can beat pretty much anyone. Mm. Um, I don't know if this is sort of, you know, my I have now fully embraced Lance that I'm so upset that they didn't win. It makes me feel a little bit dirty, but uh, I, I felt so sorry for them last night. Yeah, I did. I did, especially on that first half, because they, you know, they should have gone in, let's say, comfortably in front. And Ren did, you know, that they were better second half for sure. But yeah, I did think it was a little bit, um, little bit uh, sus on how it all panned out in the end, as far as the ways. And and by the way, the last five to ten minutes was just anybody's game. It was back back and forth, basketball all the way. Um, and I and I very much enjoyed our our good pals at uh, I can't call it BT anymore TNT Sports. Um, who decided that I mean Guiri was uh, 17 again. So that's good. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm just going to run down the other results very quickly. And we do have some off-the-pitch uh, news as well. So um, elsewhere, Monaco have gone top of the game with a 3-0 win over Strasbourg at the weekend, a double for, uh, for Minamino in that particular game as well. He's stepping up, made a couple of good signings this week as well, Lance, uh, Brett. Edmonds on the brain. Monaco, they brought in Singo from uh, Torino and they also brought in uh, Zakaria from Juventus. Good signings there. Uh, Brest, another good week for them. Say again? Third. Wissenben Yedder with Yes. So congratulations to him because he must be going through a very tricky time. Uh, I'm aware. (laughs) I was trying to trying to scoot past it, but yeah, you're right. Um, it's yeah, still ongoing as to what's going to happen there. Um, but yeah, we will obviously update you if anything in his circumstances change. Um, but uh, De Castillo and Brazier with the goals for Brest as they defeated Lav. Uh, Kuzhayev with a really good goal in, in sandwiching those for Lav, which uh, made it 1-1 at the time. But a good win away for, for Brest, who are defying those who said they would go down so far this season. A good win for Rouse as well at home to Claremont, uh, Manetsi with the opener, and debutant Durami, who signed from Ajax, 
who uh, looks like being the uh, the Balogun replacement. Um, he got off the score. Off the Fantastic line. first touch by Ito to set. Wasn't it just? Wasn't it just? Yeah, I do like Ito. I think he's a amazing how how good player. Ito and Minamino were this weekend, and still nowhere near the best Japanese player around. Mm-hmm. Was that Matoma by any chance, Jess? No, funny you mentioned. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's no Junichi Inamoto, but we move. L'Oreal <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Nice shared the points uh, in the opening game of the season at Le Moustoir. Uh, nice went in front uh, through Gesson's slightly fortuitous goal, although Vogo might want, want, want to look at that goalkeeping again. Equalised by Ducure, who uh, got the uh, leveller with, tw- with about 23 minutes to play, and that one ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Lille beat Nort by two goals to nil. First goal of the season for Jonathan David, who appears to be staying, at least for now. Uh, Adam Unas curled in the second in stoppage time after Alexandro had seen red. And uh, a rather unfortunate offside goal denied Nantes all the way back into that game. And I think that was all the games because we've covered the rest of them, haven't we? Yes, we do. Looks down menu. Are we um, still getting used to it being nine games <laughs> every round? No, no, not really. I feel, I feel like there's one missing, I must admit. But it, it's easier because it does mean I can usually watch four or five a weekend rather than uh, that extra game was always a killer. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not got used to it fully yet. Um, off the pitch, Jez, we've had an appointment in the... Uh, well, I don't know if I should call for an ad break at this point. If you know, you know. But uh, an appointment behind the scenes in the French setup. Uh, a certain T. Henri is now the under-21s manager. That was announced today, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's been on the... I think everyone's been expecting it for a few days now, but it was officially announced this evening. Um it's funny when when Phil was talking about um, Novel at Toulouse and talking a good game. Um, oh, it's going to sound really stupid as an analogy. Whenever anyone says that Al Pacino is a good actor, I always think he's not a good actor because whenever I see him, I always think, wow, this is good acting. And surely if you're a really good actor, you forget that the person is even acting. You just kind of... <laughs> see the person in the part and I remember Ori often when he was talking tactics it almost felt like he was sort of trying too hard and that it didn't come naturally like it does to other coaches and I didn't see Novell's interview that Phil referred to but it made me think of that knowing that we were going to be going on to talk about Ori um he's such a strange I mean, obviously, everyone knows, you know, from certainly the way his playing career ended the last few years, we know that he's sort of a a kind of player of extremes. People love him. People think he's one of the best ever. Others think he's a flat track bully. People um, think he's a good sport. People think he's he's a cheat, etc, etc. And since that, since his playing career ended, it's still been a really strange career in that um, he's a fantastic erudite funny pundit who's got an encyclopedic knowledge of football has got the automatic respect of anyone he manages and coaches and yet has not turned out to be a very good coach or manager yet Mm. um you know hopefully his experience wherever you think of martinez hopefully he's learned some things in his time with belgium um, learn some stuff from just, you know, continuing to watch football and hear from coaches and, and be there sort of week in, week out um, doing his doing his punditry. And, and 
you know, he's still kind of young in managerial terms. I have to say he's young because he's a month younger than me. Um, <laughs> and um, about this last. So ho- hopefully, you know, for France's sake, and I think for his, I still think you know most people would like him to succeed. Hopefully, it's a good appointment. My concern in terms of people saying, "Oh, it's Thierry Henry," that you know he'll immediately demand respect, command respect from from young from the, these young players is. They're now so young that none of them will remember his he is, yeah. his playing career. But, yeah, hopefully just the aura that he carries about him will inspire the younger players. You know, as, as we said before, that to an extent, it doesn't really matter much what the under-21s do as long as it prepares them well for, for the jump to the full A team. And it will be really interesting also to see the dynamic with Deschamps because I think Ripple... To me, it always seemed very much like a yes man to Deschamps, and Deschamps can sort of pick and choose whenever he wanted which players he'd take up to his squad, let them go back down, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I imagine Ori might kick up more of a fuss if he wants to. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I really hope he succeeds for his and France's sake. Yeah. He's going to be taking them into the home Olympics, which obviously is a massive thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's a really intriguing one. I think he... The shortlist was him and Sabri Lamushi, who I think has done reasonably well in his career. I feel a little bit sorry for the way things didn't quite work out with Ivory Coast and with Nottingham Forest. I don't think he did terrible jobs in either. So you could argue maybe he possibly deserved it more based on past pedigree as a coach and maybe has suffered because he's not the same kind of name as Henri. But it is exciting and, and I think it will be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, wish him, wish him well, Phil. I wish him well, but I think it's a bad idea. Bit of a risky one. What we saw when he was in charge of Monaco for what three months? Yeah, wasn't long, was it? Demonstrated that he might be the kind of player who doesn't understand why other players aren't as good as him. Mm. And I think I, I never saw him apart from a couple of gifts uh, <laughs> at Montreal Impact, but the Monaco record was four wins, five draws, and 11 defeats. Yeah. And a lot of that did appear to be because he wasn't able to understand that these guys are not as good as he was. And I'm not sure putting him in charge of a youth team is a good idea. Because obviously they're going to make mistakes. They are not fully developed yet and so yeah I'm a little bit nervous about this um, yeah. appointment yeah yeah uh, Jez you wanted to just pop on something on top of that as well yeah I think in sort of retrospect I don't think his time as at Monaco was as bad as 
people made out at the time, you know, especially when you consider that, for example, he gave debuts and chances that no one else had given yet to people like, for example, Benoit Badia-Shil, that kind of thing. I think a couple of others as well. I forget mm. who. And obviously, whoever came in afterwards did not at all do a great job. And frankly, that have been doing brilliantly consistently since then anyway. So I think he it wasn't necessarily a sensible managerial post for him to take. And the fact that he's his recent experience has been sort of internationally maybe is a is a positive now that he's taking an international job rather than a uh week to week day to day coaching role. But I agree with Phil that I think that's definitely always been, you know, that was always what people said about Hoddle. And I think that is what it seemed to be, seemed to be the issue with Henri, that he couldn't sort of handle that other people couldn't do what he can still do now, sort of 10, 15 years after retiring. But yeah. um, yes. the other thing I would say is also that Henri is one of, those, one of the famous gifts, actually, I think it was with Badia Shir, was that he didn't, it was something like that he didn't pull out a chair or he didn't say thank you yeah. or sit down before or he did something like that. And mm-hmm. people picked up on that. And I actually didn't mind what Henri did there, but Henri is very much, he's been quoted several times about, you know, the young generation doesn't have respect. And, you know, when I, when I joined the France team f- for the first time, I, you know, stood at the side and waited till the Deschamps and the Blancs and everyone had sat down before I, I took a, spe- you know, one of the spaces that was left, as opposed to, you know, the huge argument he had with Sami Nasri because Nasri took his place on the coach. Okay, and yeah. had a big falling out about that. And, you know, I'm not, certainly not saying I'm team Nasri by any means. <laughs> um, I think Henri generationally the way he was brought up and the sort of generation that he came from I think that could be an issue as well you know is he really able to not even just footballistically but sort of um yeah generationally and and uh I guess even kind of socially is he able to commune or develop a relationship or whatever it is with with the new generation of players yeah yeah, I yeah, I tend to agree with with both of you there. Right? Um, he is he's obviously a, he strikes me as the sort of guy that if you sat down with you could talk for hours about football. Clearly loves the game, student of the game, etc. And I think he was much missed on in the UK. Anyway, I know he was on Sky for a bit, and I I missed him when he he left as a coach. I think it's just fair to say that the the jury's out. But I also think it it would be good to see him succeed as I well. So. On the whole chair thing. I do remember when Deschamps was in charge of Marseille. Yeah. He, there was a big thing about him being very annoyed at players calling him too, too noy. They should call him noy, which is, in French, you say to to a mate, mean you, but you say vous in more formal circumstances. So I think that's always maybe been a bit of uh, just a like French football culture, yeah, which isn't that unusual. I'm more concerned about the whole management situation rather than you know table manners. Yeah. But also by the way announced that um Jarabatik, who was the um 
Angers coach last year. Oh yeah, going to be his assistant, and apparently Gail Clichy is going to be part of his staff as oh, well. Love, I love that. I love if if he doesn't get injured going to the job, of course, bless him. Um, but yeah, no, he 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 has a special Unless place. He walks in my out head. on them to join Dubai halfway through. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. Um, good stuff. We'll, we'll definitely keep across that, of course, in in the coming months, hopefully, and years. Who knows how long it's going to last? But hopefully, it's for the long term and. Uh, one thing's for sure, he has a hell of a crop to work with in that French under-21 mm. squad and those just behind that are on the precipice of coming through there as well. So good luck to him. Um, very. Yeah, yeah, the only other thing to say to that is obviously the, the clubs and everyone have to give him that chance because, you know, the yeah, Euros yeah. in the summer were completely shafted by the fact that no players were released. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, Well, as we've proved with the Leon conversation, you know, it's no good putting someone in place if you then don't back him. So, um, yeah, hopefully he is given the time he needs to succeed. Just a very brief bit of um, drawing line under things before we go. Um, there were protests from Lorient fans about uh, Benjamin Mendy in the first home game of the season. I thought that was worth a mention um, in light of various other footballers that's sort of made the headline news today, particularly in England. So we'll see how that shakes out. No official word from the club about anything to do with it. So it seems like that will carry on. Um, here's one for you, Jez. Jeremy Doku is off to Manchester City for 60 million euros. That has been confirmed in the last hour. Um, good luck to Manchester City on that one. Uh, obviously not. I hope it burns and falls into piles of ash like everything else. But uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say Ren will be laughing all the way to the bank with that one. Um, I, just, I genuinely, I just do not understand what the fuss is about. Well, he's great on YouTube. That's how it works. Did you not know? Well, he's great against mess, but that doesn't mean much. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, that, that deal has has happened. Um, of course, you know now he's going to tear it up week in, week out, and we're all going to look, look like idiots. But yeah, anyway, good times. Um, and elsewhere, we've got oh, 10 days left of the window. So you can expect in the next 10 days, it's all going to go batshit. There's going to be players going left, right and centre. Um, but we will, of course, keep you updated. And that Eli Wahi deal, just to uh, echo what Jez was saying earlier on, just strikes me as a brilliant piece of business from from Lars. Thirty-five million euros is looks to be a snip because you can almost, I can almost see it now that he's sold on again next summer for double that. If uh, Open there's anything to go by, so a good bit of business there. Probably um, have got a sell on. I would imagine there is a sell on. Nicolas. Face it, Lance are going to be in a yes. bad group in I, I would league, but he's still going to impress some people. And yeah, yeah, I I would would imagine Nicola has put something in that contract somewhere or other. I, I would suspect, but yeah, it, it's a really good piece of business that, and, and I'm and I'm quite pleased to see him stay in Liga. Um, because yeah, the thought of him going to Chelsea, even though it would have been Strasbourg for a season, made me feel a bit gross. So good luck to him um, for the remainder of this season. But yeah, as I say, plenty more deals are going to be going through. So we'll try and keep you in touch with all of them. And uh, we can confirm that at time of recording, Julian Draxler is still a PSG player. Yes, it's true. really. Yep, Renato Sanchez isn't though. He's finally gone. So good luck to him. Paredes as well. And Paredes, yes, you're absolutely right. So the clear-out has begun. I think Paredes has gone to Roma. I mean, Paredes and Mourinho really is a match made in... They've both gone to Roma, haven't they? Both him and Renato are at Roma now. So, yeah, um, but you're, 
you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Renato made his debut last night. I mean, if ever game. there was a player to replace Pepe as the article, the you know <laughs> ultimate archetypal Mourinho player, I think it's Paredes. It is a cracker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I did chuckle at Nemanja Matic uh, arriving at Ren this week and thinking he was the classic Mourinho player back in the day, wasn't he as well? But yeah. Good stuff. Plenty of deals yet to be done. And uh, sadly for Liga, you would imagine still quite a few talented younger players may well be sniffed around in the coming weeks. Right. Before we go, then, just to let you know the fixtures upcoming Friday night, we've got Nolt against Monaco, which will be a pretty tasty watch, you'd imagine, with Monaco currently top and not having a pretty less than average start to the season. On uh, Saturday, you've got a programme of two games. The Marseille against Brest is the sort of early evening game with PSG against Lens, as I think Chaz mentioned. It's the big game Saturday night. That's one not to be missed, especially if Lens can keep 11 players on the pitch this season. Uh, Rennes against La Havre is the early game on Sunday, uh, 12 midday. And then you've got three 2pm kickoffs: Clermont against Metz, uh, Montpellier against Reims and Strasbourg to lose. Lorient against Lille is the 4.05 p.m. kickoff, and Nice against Lyon. That is potentially going to be rather tasty at the uh, Allianz Riviera. That's uh, a 7.45 kickoff, um, and you, yeah, you really do feel like the pressure is on Lyon in that particular game, if yeah. nothing else changes. It's a little bit on Nice as well. Yeah, yeah, fair point, yeah. yeah very fair point. I should, should really have referenced that. Um, yeah, definitely one, one to keep an eye on that, because Atmosphere-wise, that might be a bit tasty as well. Those clubs don't particularly like each other much, so be worth a watch. Um, right, I think we will draw a line there under this this week's uh, podcast. So thank you all for joining us as always. Um, if you do have any questions uh, or any points that you wish to make, please do drop us a line anytime. That rhymes. Hey, uh, podcast is going up obviously on a weekly basis, so just drop us a tweet and we will do our best to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, if not, just thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Right, Jez, thank you very much. Uh, good luck thank to you. you guys at the weekend away at Claremont. And likewise, Phil, the hosting round. So good luck to you. And thanks for joining us this week, as usual. Thank yeah. you. Indeed, to both of you. And uh, yeah, keep that cat ventilated, uh, Phil. <laughs> You're saying Harry the cat is enjoying the breeze. Uh, right, I'm <laughs> off to enjoy the breeze myself. Uh, before Arsenal Crystal Palace so good times thank you all for joining us appreciate it as usual uh, keep enjoying your French football and we'll speak to you very soon <laughs>